You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us out. On Twitter, I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. At Nada the Scribe is where you can find Nada and you can find Doug at Doug Branson LOH. Find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. I'm excited to come in today because it means I get to talk a little bit about good things that happened in Charlotte this past weekend uh-huh. rather than the Carolina Panthers game where, oh of course, if you're a Panthers fan, you know that they're on a five-game losing streak. Ron Rivera's job security has been higher in question here, probably since the last time they played the then they played the Giants a few years ago when they beat them thirty eight to nothing. That was when you thought maybe he would get fired in season, but it's never been as much in question then as it is right now. And so now it's just all Carolina Panthers burn it. They didn't make the playoffs after a six and two start. So now we get to talk about the Bugs, who actually went two and zero over the weekend. One against a good team and one against a not so good team. But here we are back to five hundred. It's not often that we walk into the studio. By the way, back in the Gitmer.com studios, I'm yes. back on my home Shout floor. Shout out. No scotch tape around me to distract me, uh, but thank you to the Essex Home Studios for hosting yes, the show last week. thank you very week. much. We appreciate Crib. it. <laughs> but back to this uh, this Panther situation, <laughs> it, it has something to do with the Hornets, I think. It, it, we can make a connection here. We can make a correlation. First of all, I just want to say it's not often that we walk into the studio and the Hornets have a better record Unbelievable. than the Carolina Panthers. 26 so, games in, by the way. Or, yeah, 26, right? 13 to 13. 26 games in the Hornets. That's that's insane. That's just straight facts right there. I don't care how the way, how any way you slice it. And people it. say we don't do numbers on this show. I just heard several numbers right there. But, <laughs> le- but let me say this. It, it reminds me, I'm getting feelings like I got around the end of last season in regards to questions that were asked of me about Steve Clifford. I'm, I'm getting asked those same questions about Ron Rivera, like what's his future going to be? How do you feel about things? And I keep telling people, I think we we the the boat is in motion. Like we're going down the river, and there's only one stop. Like it, it's him leaving the franchise because you've you've got a franchise in the in the Carolina Panthers that if they've made the change in ownership, they're, they're automatically that says, hey, new direction. And it, and the onus was on Ron Rivera to basically present an argument that he could be part of that new direction, and that argument hasn't been set. And I think a similar situation got, happened to Steve Clifford where th- the expectations were such that th- this Hornets team wanted to continue to win. They didn't win, and it, and it, it came down to that ultimately. It, it wasn't about feelings or emotions. It was just simply, hey, you didn't win enough games. Got to move on. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Rivera. And Carolina has had more success, certainly, than the Charlotte Hornets. Carolina, even in their young history, you know, they've been to a couple of Super Bowls and under Ron. They went to a Super Bowl 15-1 and type season. They've been to, they went to three straight playoff appearances, and then they had another one just last season. So four in his time that he's been here. So they've had the success, but you're right that Ron Rivera now, it just seems like a guy who has been here a while, like Steve Clifford. It just might be the time that Ron Rivera goes away because you do have some new ownership in town. And I get what you're saying, the sort of argument that he should have a little bit more clout because he does have that success. But I would say that actually there's more pressure on Ron Rivera than there would have been on Steve Clifford because Ron has this once-in-a-generation talent in Cam Newton 
Clifford never got that. Like, say what you want about Kimba Walker, and we, uh, you know, gush praise on Kimba Walker and what he's done for this franchise, but he's not a once-in-a-generation talent. No, I'm I'm not creating excuses for Ron. I would agree that there's more pressure on Ron Rivera. You you get that roster at 6-2 and two at the beginning of the season, and and you get that roster, and now you're 6-7. and seven. Like, I, I understand the criticism. I, I don't know if I'm saying Ron Rivera needs to go right now, right here, right now, but it, it's certainly there is much needed criticism here when you've only had you haven't had any back-to-back winning seasons you've only had three winning seasons in your tenure at Carolina different circumstances between the Ron Rivera situation and the Steve Clifford situation the the similarity that I see that I feel is that near the end of that Clifford tenure it just felt like the 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 dominoes were starting to fall like things had been set in motion and there was just no going back because ownership because the people in the front office had a vision of where they wanted the franchise and it did not include the person that was coaching the team one thing real quickly before we transition to the sport that we're actually supposed to talk about marty herney signs my paychecks Mm -hmm. so it's understandable (laughs) that it might be a little different to question the front office of the carolina panthers Uh but i will say i don't think marty herney is getting a whole lot of flack for any of this because of all the talent that is on the roster because you know dave gettleman obviously put together a lot of this team that is playing for the panthers right now but i feel like most people like the job that marty did this offseason and it seems like Everybody is questioning Ron more so than they are about the general manager. Which was different in point. Charlotte when Show got the Absolutely. boot as well. There's something different, but also something different is that they actually did have some success this weekend. The Charlotte yeah. Hornets did, unlike the Carolina Panthers. And as we're talking about coaches, James Borrego has found a way again to get his team back to 500. Now, they skipped one. They went from 1-1, one 2-2, and 3-3. One, two and two, three and three. They skipped the 12-12 twelve and 12 mark, but we got back there at 13-13. 13 and 13. And that was thanks to a win against the Denver Nuggets, who had come in very hot. They were 17-7 and seven at the time of their game against the Charlotte Hornets. And, Doug, can you believe it? It was actually a close game. Now, it's not going to be a stat in that kind of stat the the one that gets thrown around every single time that they lose a close game but it counts in our hearts 113 to 107 had hit some free throws down the stretch to actually win this game and that was despite Kimball Walker only hitting four field goals second score Jeremy Lamb three field goals and Cody Zeller only had two and Nick Batum had zero how did the Charlotte Hornets win when you had it looks like nine field goals distributed or I should say seven field goals distributed between Kemba Jeremy and Nick and nine field goals distributed between Cody when you add him in there I mean that's ridiculous I knew it I knew it the whole time I don't know if I said it on the show but I knew it Uh, this is the kind of game that the Hornets have inexplicably won this season (laughs) I'm pretty sure that take right I'm pretty sure I said it Uh, I don't know you can check the tape if you like Uh, I'm pretty sure I said it right it's amazing to see that they were able to beat Denver with those kind of numbers being put up by some of the starters but again it goes to show you and this is what you texted Nada and I both yesterday that the impact of Tony Parker cannot be understated So when you have Tony Parker hitting six field goals, going six of 14, 19 points, going to the free throw line eight times, by the way, shooting eight free throws, I should say, six of eight from the free throw line. And Malik Monk, he stepped up and he was big for them. 16 points when he hit a couple of shots and he hit three three three-pointers in that one. So that really helped him. And Marvin continues to play very well in the last five games or so. So those three are the guys that gets you the win against Denver and a much-needed win to try to get back to 500. Well, I think we also have to give props to Borrego and the game plan that they went into 
to it uh, with defensively. I mean, you hold Jokic to six of eighteen, zero of six from three. I mean, that's that's one of their big offensive threats, and and you essentially neutralized him. And then Jamal Murray, you get an, a slightly inefficient night from him, eight of twenty, but zero threes between Jokic and Murray. That's going to give you an opportunity to beat the Denver Nuggets, and they and then you had you know bench players step up and take advantage. And there's always the guy that gets way more points than he should. There's always the breakout player against the Charlotte Hornets, and Hernan Gomez was a candidate. I know some people thought maybe a bench guy would come in. Malik Beasley might give them the business just as a role player, like a Dennis Schroeder. Who is the Dennis Schroeder of the night? And Malik Beasley did give them 16 points, and Hernan Gomez did give uh, the Nuggets 15 points. But they were still able to win because Nikola Jokic did not hit any threes in the six that he attempted and was didn't hit a field goal till late in that game, if I'm not mistaken. And also Jamal Murray, like you said, going eight of twenty. I like how Nada is all of a sudden on Twitter picking players that he feels like are candidates to torch the Hornets. It's like share that on the show. Let us know. We got to start doing a segment with Nada called, you know, what players do is he worried well, Hornets, will torch the Hornets. Right. Well, the community does this. The Hornets Twitter community, I feels like, because now it's a known thing that it's going to happen. And then Nada says, you know, watch out for Wancho Hernan Gomez. He just might do it. We need that analysis here. I used to call them bench wrenches. These players that come off that the, rhymes. It does. I listen. <laughs> Occasionally That's I awesome. have a decent thought out of my head. <laughs> That's that's a good rhyme and moniker for players that come in and destroy the Throw a wrench into your whole plan. You didn't know uh, that they were going to do it, and then they come off the bench and just completely annihilate you. Boban uh, Marjanovic was one of those oh my God. crazy bench that's wrenches the, two years ago. the biggest bench wrench that we've ever seen. He had like 20 rebounds in, how, I forget how many minutes, but he destroyed the Charlotte Hornets. I remember exactly what game you're talking about. Shout out to new Patreon members. It's the season of giving, and we're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Once again, it's Patreon.com slash LOH. Michael Thompson, Clay's dad, had a funny tweet. We're going to read it next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I still remember your face when he said it, because the way that I'm sit, the way that I'm angled, I, I, it's just easier. Like I see your face because not as to my right and it's kind of to my back a little bit. And I just remember looking at you when he said that and you kind of shaking your head a little bit, trying to process what he just said. I'm still not sure. I don't think anyone <laughs> has been able to accurately tell me what on wax means. Still waiting. So looking at Michael Thompson's Twitter, two-time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers, played for 13 years, father of clay. He is excellent at Twitter. And we'd like to share some of his best thoughts on Twitter. Here's one. It was a tweet, I believe it was on Friday, right? It was Friday right after we did the show. And Doug, you did text me, how dare he shares this. How dare he? After we record the show and put it out there for everybody. So Michael did tweet something out. Quote, I was, (laughs) sorry, quote, I was just thinking. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's funny because it's like the, the just, so I was just thinking it only has the S it doesn't have the T there. Why would this is going by the way, this is a gauntlet for you as a radio professional, because I did, I put this in the rundown exactly as it was written, because I feel like these are incredible musings from the mind of Michael Thompson and they deserve to be written exactly 
as they were put I into feel, Twitter. I feel like we're a step away from Cam Newton's wingding font that he tweets out with. Close. We're close it's to close. it. So, quote, I was just thinking, why would anyone want to go to Mars? There are no colors there. No <laughs> colors in all caps, by the way. There are no colors there. All you'd see for the crest of your life, obviously meaning for the rest of your life, is an orangey tint. Really? Question mark. Is that what you'd want to see every day? No greens, no blues, no yellows, no purples, no fuchsias, <laughs> fuchsias, no fuchsias. It says no fuchsias. Way. I know. I love it. Like it's spelled F-O-O-S-H-A-S. Fuchsias. But it absolutely is supposed to mean fuchsias. Like that's my favorite part about that. No fuchsias, man. Why would anyone want to go to Mars when there are no colors there? I need my fuchsia. If I don't get my fuchsia, then I'm not happy. I need my fuchsia. He's no. just really anti-orange. He, I, I feel it. It's he's anti-Mars. There are no colors there. <laughs> he wants his color in his life. And this this font, like Michael Thompson, a broadcaster, a color analyst. For oh, the we lesson. figured it out. There we figured is. it out. That's why he's he, he's a color analyst. He he knows that his his career lives and dies <laughs> on the color of his analysis. I just wandered into that. He is a color analyst for the Los Angeles Lakers radio crew. And here's a guy that's typing like it's just it's a funny it's a funny way, man. Like there's a lot of problems with this, but it's still hilarious. And I'm glad we you need to follow Michael Thompson on Twitter. Forget space exploration. Forget <laughs> having an alternative to this planet. Forget extending human exploration. If there's not going to be, if we can't taste the rainbow, then we're not going. Speaking of putting things down as it exactly is right on the rundown. You, you put that tweet exactly how it was written. Shout out to our new Patreon members, like I said, but I didn't have any names to shout them out because Doug forgot to put the names on the rundown. And so I felt like I sometimes will catch a mistake as I'm reading along, but that's, it didn't sound like a mistake, but we do want to individually Shout out some of the people. Yeah, yeah. That this may this may look like joined. this may look like my fault, but I was really distracted by number one how crazy that Michael Musing was, and I was excited about it coming. It was up. amusing. So I was really focused on that, and then Nada was supposed to be here, but then all of a sudden he got snowed in and couldn't be here, and I was really distraught about that. So ultimately, this was not my fault. But I will read you a couple of names. Give me names. All right. Shout out to Christopher. Shout out to Tyler. And mm. shout out to Bernard oh. for becoming Patreon members this month. We all we love all of you guys so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And not just shout out to the new Patreon members. It's those guys individually. So Denver Nuggets game. We recapped that one. Let's look at the New York Knicks game. They win that one last night, 119 to 107. And it got a little bit dicey in the, what was it, the beginning of the fourth quarter? Maybe it was the uh, third quarter when Frank Nidalekina it was somebody that actually started to heat up after Eric Collins. And you were watching this. Did you hear Eric Collins kind of say maybe a G League stint wouldn't be out of the question? Oh, wow. Yes. No, I didn't hear so, this. So Eric Collins spent much of Frank's hot little streak that he went on apologizing to Frank <laughs> for kind of doubting him and his basketball abilities. And then from that point on, Frank Nidalekina did so well. I mean, what I'm trying to look up his numbers right now as for the New York Knicks and what he was able to do against them. 18 points, 7 of 11 after going really the first half with not a whole lot of offensive production. But that streak he went on, I mean, he had four threes. He was perfect from the three-point line. And again, it was hilarious. And Del, Del Curry's like, no, you don't have to apologize to Frank. And then he hit a couple more shots. He was like, no, you need to apologize. It, it seemed like he jinxed the Hornets at some point, but the Hornets able to prevent. And this is a this is a man in Eric Collins who we had we've had on the show. This is a professional broadcaster. He doesn't take time off. Like he goes and calls 
you know, college football and college lacrosse. Like the man just, he is a consummate professional and you see him basically trying to exercise a demon. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Call it getting out holy water. Give me some garlic, <laughs> doing whatever he could to reverse the trend that he created. Uh, but yeah, real outlier game for, for Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nilakina, uh, 7 of 11, 18 points. This was a guy that was getting mocked on Twitter for dropping the, the goose egg special, zero, 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 <laughs> right. zero triple nothing. And, and, and Frank Nilakina having a great game. But yeah, I mean, to me... Walker, this game was all about one guy. It was the other Talk French guard, not Nick Batum. It's Tony Parker. This was the Tony Parker game. The Knicks went on a seven to nothing run at the beginning of that fourth quarter, cut into a significant Hornets lead. And I really thought without Parker's uh, Parker's hand, both offensively and defensively, he made a steal that led to a transition play. I believe it uh, ended up on the free throw line. But he made key plays there in the fourth quarter that I thought really saved this game for the Charlotte Hornets. And you got a little takey with me before I came into the studio today. You said the Hornets don't win this game if Tony Parker is not on this basketball team. And you think that the Hornets are five games below 500 if Tony Parker is not a part of this basketball team. I don't believe they would not have won this game. I'm telling you, I know mm. for a fact uh, yes. that they would not have won this basketball game. Let I know the radio this. flow through you. I know this because I saw this game several times. Hold on, times. hold on. This, this, is the, this is the hot take machine, right? We need the hot take machine. Am I right? Am I using it correctly here? I feel like yeah, it's... Yeah, you're right, you're right. You're right. So, all right, so fire it up. All right, so I, I believe that possibly the Hornets would have lost had Tony Parker not played so well. Do y'all, I, I, I challenge anybody in this country. <laughs> Let's make that thing hot. Make I it know, hot, Doug. I know for a 100% fact that the Hornets would have lost this basketball game by 20. Mm. Not double digits, double, double digits <laughs> had Tony Parker not come through like a French superhero, French superheated mm. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Dougie Smokes coming in with hot some Hot croissant. Yeah. Whenever, whenever he does that in the fourth quarter, I'm calling it hot croissant. Yeah, he was great. He was great in this game, and I agree with you to a certain extent. Maybe not this Knicks game, just because I, I don't have a ton of faith in the Knicks, but they did get hot. You're right. I mean, Frank Nilakina, somebody that got very hot and, and got saved. The Hornets got saved because he fouled out, but they did go on a run where the Charlotte Hornets were able to get on a run in large part because Tony Parker contributed the way he did. People listening right now will back me up. Let me know on Patreon. <laughs> If, if I have this right, I saw this game several times last season against the Chicago Bulls yeah. and the Hornets lost this game every single time because they would run out a Ramon Sessions, a Briante Weber, a whoever they could find off the street. I'm not here for the Weber and slander, but I'm, I'm just here for saying the that they tried to run out these point guard nobodies and it wasn't working and you get somebody that can legitimately run the offense and make plays like this is not the Tony Parker that I expected. This is a Tony Parker that's playing, I think, on a different level than really anyone expected. I continue to be amazed that Tony Parker gets to his spots as well as anybody on this Hornets team. He will shoot a jumper from the elbow when it's clutch time, and he will hit that said jumper. He's He'll going shoot, to shoot it from inside the paint. He will do that as well, yes. It doesn't matter. Mitchell Robinson, please. You like to block shots? Welcome to the <laughs> NBA, chump. This is TP we're talking about. TP and the Buzz Boys. Tony Parker hitting from the elbow. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, he gets to his spots as well as anybody. And by the way, good to see the other point guard, Kimba Walker. Good to see him get going a little bit more. 
I mean, we had gone through a pretty bad slump from him after he had those two crazy games of 60 and 43 that he scored. And he goes 8 for 20, 4 of 11, so it's not like a crazy great field goal percentage, but it's just fine. And there was a time where you saw him in the zone again, and I don't think we had seen him in the zone since that 43-point effort that he put up against the Boston Celtics. How about Nick Batum, though? Yeah, it's a weird one. Two of six. Six points. Combines for 10 points in the last two games that he played after showing up in a game they lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Everybody was applauding him for the way that he was aggressive, going to the basket. I mean, aggression is key, right? Like, that's the one thing we discuss constantly when discussing Nick Batum is how aggressive is he within the offense. And he was in Minnesota, and they lost, and he was not with Denver and the New York Knicks, and they won a couple of those games. And, Doug, you were making the point, that you didn't feel like he played all that bad the last two games, but he only scored 10 points. He didn't have any field goals against Denver. He was 0-4, and he only had, I think, one assist in that game against Denver. He had five last night, so maybe passing it a little bit better, but one assist against the Denver Nuggets. I think just one block, one turnover. Stat-wise, not a whole lot showing up on the box score, but he was out there for all the great one runs that they went on. And it sounds a lot to me like you're you're kind of sharing the same sentiment that I had my rant last week about. Like, this is just the kind of Nick Batum that I've come to accept, that contractually, he's not going to be up to the value. But it, it's weird to try to find what his value is. Yeah, so during uh, the Denver game, he was on the floor for almost the entirety of the second quarter, along with uh, Marvin Williams, Frank Kaminsky, Tony Parker, Malik Monk. And that's when they went on an 18-5 to run and a 16-5 to run that put them up by as many as 16 points. And it was just that Nick Batum did not really contribute much offensively. It was Marvin knocking down shots, Frank Kaminsky hitting a few, th- hitting a three, and then Tony Parker all over the place, Malik Monk. That's when Malik did a lot of his damage in that second quarter. And then if you look at the Knicks game, uh, again, kind of the same story, but he was on the floor in that third quarter when they made the 16 to two run to take it to 28 to really almost put away the game until Tony Parker came in and saved it at the end of the day. But Batum uh, made two threes during that run and had a big defensive rebound. So like he is, he is on the floor when they play well. And so I think if you're Borrego, you look at the stats and certainly you want it. He said he wants an aggressive Batum. He wants, he thinks that that Batum wins them basketball games, but you also look and say, man, you know, when, when my team plays well, this guy's on the floor. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, it's so weird to try to figure this guy out. And here's, again, this is what I discussed again last week, that you're not going to get the Nick Batum that's going to give you 15 points, five assists, seven rebounds. Like That's not what you're going to get on a consistent basis. It'd be really nice. I think everybody would sign up for that. But the Nick Batum you're going to get is sometimes he'll contribute in all areas of the box score. But offensively, when he looks for his shot, it's an inefficient Nick Batum. And if he lets the shots come to him, then he's shown this season and maybe before these two games, maybe these aren't the best examples for the efficient Nick Batum, but the guy was shooting somewhat well from the field, even though he wasn't all that involved in the offense. What's heartbreaking is that he's doing things that I think would be valuable trade-wise to a Houston, to a team that's either trying to get back into contention or wants to take it to another level. Like He's doing things that are attractive to that team. He's just not doing them at a level that would convince someone to take on that deal. That deal, that money... I think comes along with a certain expectation in the box score, both from fans and I think front offices too. And so that's the really heartbreaking part of it. The other heartbreaking part is that the Hornets need players that can do things with the basketball in their hands. So it's not all Kimba Walker every night. Like this is, 
it's fine to get these two games from Nick Batum when Lamb's playing well and Monk's knocking down shots and when you're getting uh, three-pointers from Marvin and contributions uh, from others. But when that doesn't happen, you're still not getting that performance from Nick Batum that you need. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We got a Patreon question from Andrew next here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. As I said, we do have a Patreon question, and you can get one in if you sign up for Patreon as well. Just, again, go to patreon.com slash LOH. So going to this Patreon question from Andrew, he writes, Hot take, Malik Monk would be much more effective if he had tighter handles. He keeps trying to split the defense on the pick and roll and get into the paint, but he gets ripped almost every time. It seems like if he dribbled lower slash more controlled, he could get to the rack better and score while minimizing his turnovers. So, Doug, I don't know if you've seen this at all. His turnover percentage right now is 10.4. That's 59th percentile, according to cleaning the glass. Is that something that you can kind of get on board with, with what Andrew is thinking? I just feel like, yeah, anecdotally, I feel like he's made better decisions with his pass than he has with his dribble. I mean, yeah, I I can remember... Plenty of times when he's either dribbled it off his foot out of bounds or or had it stripped from him in the lane, for sure. Yeah, and, and I we talk about the passing. Like I've been on the Malik Monk is a good passer train since even in college. Like that's something you could see if you watch tape on him. I mean, that guy does have some great vision. And I feel like his handles aren't bad just from watching it. It's not something that it's so egregious that I recognize. There are some turnovers. I think there was one where he did dribble it off of his foot. It, that didn't happen too many games ago. Um, but I, I don't think that they're so bad. I feel like it can be improved. I feel like it can develop, but I don't know if there's any example that you can think of from past NBA players. And I was trying to do some research here, and the best I can do, there's I don't think there's any articles that I can pull up within this amount of time, this fast amount of time, but all I, I got are some players that are listed on Reddit. Like It doesn't seem like there's anything written that is so serious about this guy crazily improved his handles and has become a way better basketball player because of it. And maybe I was trying to think of some bigger guys that, tried to find a role in the NBA, had to move to a smaller role. Blake Griffin is a name that yeah, comes to mind where a it's a four who now is kind of trying to be that three slash four in the Detroit Pistons years where he does have Andre Drummond here as well. And and even DeAndre Jordan, like you saw Blake Griffin improve his shooting a lot. You know, you're starting to see him get ISO'd on some time and sometimes where he's out on the perimeter. So, but nothing like that. Like Malik has, I think, the quickness to blow by you and he can still create his shots. It's just, I think you, if you tighten him up a little bit, I, I agree with Andrew that if you tighten him up, I think that does unlock a new level for Malik. I mean, I think we've seen Kimba improve his handles over the sure. years. And, and I just, I don't think you can go from bad handles to elite handles because I don't think we've seen any examples of that. Like we've seen really bad shooters become good shooters you know Jason Kidd Kimball Walker for example but I don't think that we've seen someone take really terrible handles and and turn themselves into a Kyrie Irving Uh, I do have some stats for you here Walker on drives on Malik Monk drives 
His turnover percentage is 8.6% on 6.3 drives per game. Comparing that to some other Hornets, Kemba's down to 6.6% on 15 drives per game, so more than double, and his percentage goes down. Parker, 5% on 10 drives per game. And then Kaminsky, 21% on 2.4 drives per game. So if you really want to see some bad handles on the drive, that's the guy you want to look at. So so just to say, Malik Monk, yes, it, it is higher than than your average Hornets guard. Uh, so certainly something to look at. How unsurprising is it to see Frank Kaminsky at over a fifth of the time he turns it over on a drive? That is so unsurprising to me. He is the typical big guy playing one-on-one. He's going to dribble. He's going to put a spin move in there. And basically, he's going to spend the last half of his trip to the basket with his back to you in the post-up, basically just backing it on up all the way to the goal from the three-point line. That's a very human thing, right? Like he did play point guard he did play guard in in high school and growing up and then he hits this growth spurt but you never forget what it feels like to to be that position and you you feel like you you still can do it and then it doesn't always the body isn't quite there yeah it's funny how that didn't really hit anthony davis in his growth spurt he actually was able to still handle the ball pretty well but it hit old frank kaminsky that's elite i mean that's you know that's what these things that separate certain players from other players yes it does take uh what you know they did a write-up and undefeated on Kyrie Irving. Like he still obsesses about his handles, and he's already the best ball handler in the NBA, I think, without question. And he still spends hours developing his handles. So it does take that obsession, but also certain guys are just gifted, just like you're gifted physically uh, with certain things. I feel like the consensus on the best handles. It used to be the discussion of is it Steph who has the best, or is it Kyrie? I feel like the those are the top two consensus wise. I think maybe Kyrie has pulled ahead just because I just I just that's what I feel like I hear. It's Kyrie and Steph, and then I feel like everybody's like, well, wait, don't sleep on Kimba. You know, I feel like Kimba now that he's getting more national recognition, people understand. And, and those videos of him and Jay Hernandez, by the way, doing the dribbling drill where it's kind of like patty cake with the basketball dribbling four times crossing between their legs three two one one two three four and vice versa like that's pretty cool to see both of those guys before those games so there is someone on the staff that can help develop that that if if that's what they're seeing yeah and jay hernandez that was pretty cool in that zach Lowe article that we had about kimba that jay hernandez is a guy who helps develop players but also has some really weird drills that he puts people through and they work and so that was pretty cool to see about Jay Hernandez. So maybe Malik Monk getting some time with Jay Hernandez at the help of Kimba, bringing him to the staff. Hopefully that would help Kimba's potential long-term backcourt mate. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.